I am Connor MacLeod of the Clan MacLeod. I was born in 1518 in the village of Glenfinnan on the shores of Loch Shiel. And I am immortal. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? And it's a show where we talk about movies. And specifically, we find a movie that at least one of us has never seen before. And that's what we talk about. Uh, I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 60. The movie this week was 1986 Highlander. And joining me, uh, one of my fellow contestants on America's Next Top Podcaster uh, and a guy with great headphones himself, Bobby Frankenberger. (laughs) Hey, how's it going, Travis? Good. How have you been? I've been great. Decidedly less stressed since the competition that you mentioned. It's been yeah. a while now, actually. <laughs> but uh, um, I've been... Uh, the plan was to take it easy after the competition and then like get back into gear with doing some stuff. And then, you know, the world started falling apart. And then... Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so so yeah. I'm, just, I'm just covering my head and hiding under whatever <laughs> desks or, or tables I can find. Not a bad idea, really. Um, yeah. yeah, things have been crazy, but, uh, you know, th- this, this show gives people at least an hour out of the week where they can just reminisce about a movie or talk about one or wh- whatever. I, I like to be positive about movies, so it's pretty rare we get something that, you know, nobody likes. That was Tank right. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only one on the panel that week that liked it, but you know, it happens. Um, right. So Highlander. So you'd never seen Highlander before. I had not ever seen Highlander before. Everyone that I know has seen Highlander. All of my friends that I grew up, even there's the same friends I had in high school, and they watched it. They just watched it without me, I guess, because oh, right. they've all seen it. But I'd never seen it. I'm I was so so yeah. I, w- I jumped on the opportunity to kind of check that uh, so, box. Yeah. So how familiar were you with like the concept or the any of the lore behind it or was this like completely blind like you just knew it was a movie called Highlander with swords so it's 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 hard and i bet you run into this a lot on this show it's hard to be completely blind to these movies when you've never seen them right because cuz on purpose um you're usually dealing with some kind of classic at least cult classics like mm-hmm. as in Highlander yeah um, so I, I was familiar with the concept of the movie insofar as there's this guy who's immortal and, and, and there's the, well, apparent. so I knew that there were more than one of this guy, mm-hmm. but there is supposed to only be able to, there can only be one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that you have to chop off their heads, the Highlanders heads. That's a, and the, the, you know, that's about as far. Oh, I knew Scotland was involved somehow. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a that's decent. So, the movie made in 1986 uh stars Christopher Lambert and uh Sean Connery and Clancy Brown. Those are kind of your three principals. Um Right. Sean Connery uh so first of all, I want to start by saying this this movie was actually the movie that spawned this whole concept of a show for me. A friend of really? mine and I, yeah, a friend of mine and I were talking and he mentioned he had never seen this. I'm like, Dude, you got to see this. Like, I couldn't believe he hadn't seen it because I just yeah. kind of knew his taste in movies. And I was like, that can be the hook. Because we had been talking about trying to do a show for a while. I'm like, that can be our hook is you've never seen that. We talk about it and we can kind of flip-flop back and forth. Well, scheduling for that just never worked out. There was no way we were going to make that 
work on a regular basis, but it morphed into this show as it is now. Mm-hmm. So for me, this is kind of cool to finally get to do Highlander. Um, and I'd wish that he'd been able to be on with us, but he couldn't make it tonight. Yeah, However, yeah. Um, I, when we first started talking about it, um, I had, I'd rewatched the movie and here I am sitting here, I'm sitting here like, okay, so we've got a Frenchman is playing <laughs> a Scotsman living in New York. And right. we have a Scotsman playing, playing a, an Egyptian with a an Egyptian Spanish living in Spain. <laughs> yeah, and with a Spanish name who sounds Scottish, right? Because it's Sean Connery, so he's just going to have he's going to sound like Sean Connery. That's just what he right. does. Right, right. That's if you if you hire Sean Connery for a movie, you know what you're getting. Right. It's it's he's the Scottish. He's like the what's his name? Um, Oh man, I'm so bad with names. Uh, that's why I don't host a movie podcast. Uh, but what's uh, the guy who did um, Waterworld? Oh, Costner. Um, yeah, he's like the he's like yeah. Sean Connery is to Scotland as Kevin Costner is to America. Like you're only gonna get Kevin Costner's accent. Yeah, that's true. He I doesn't mean, do accents. Kevin uh, Sean Connery doesn't do. He does Scottish. That's it. Right. He's a Scottish. He's playing an Irish cop in in. Uh... The Untouchables sounds Scottish. He's playing a, a Russian sub commander. He sounds Scottish. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, what I thought was hilarious was one of the trivia pieces I was reading talked about him. So that opening um, read that he does with that like cool yeah, echo yeah. effect. So he recorded that in his villa in Spain, and he was living there at the time, apparently working on, according to the trivia, his Spanish accent for this movie. <laughs> So, so do you think that tan that he had in the movie was was his real tan? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But the the cool thing about that opening read is that that really cool echo effect that they gave to it that kind of gives it that almost right. otherworldly feel. Yeah, you know how yeah. they did that? He what they do? he recorded in his bathroom. And <laughs> so so that was not digital effects at all. No. This was 1986 people. Yeah, uh, no. What, what's funny is he recorded it in his bathroom, and they played it for the producers over the phone. And the producers like, "Yeah, it sounds great," and use that. So, can can I stop for a second? Maybe this is gonna, maybe this is gonna like uh, show my hand for for my feelings on the movie for the rest of the episode. But um, I, I kind of feel like maybe that's what everyone said every step of the way in this movie was like, like, uh, yeah, sure, sounds good. Let's go. So <laughs> you're not very far off there, and and. There's a few reasons for that. Number one, this was the director's first feature film. Russell Mulcahy had done all music okay, videos yeah. up to this point. So I'm glad you said that because that was literally going to be a question I had is because it felt very much like like either nobody cared or or it was like a really excited director's first first time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So is his first movie, he had been doing um all music videos up to this point. So he he was kind of in that early wave of he was even pre like Fincher and uh, Michael Bay and those guys, those the American yeah. directors that did the same thing. He's a Aussie. Um, so it was his first movie. They had a small budget. It was like a $16 million budget. So it wasn't very big at all. Right. And they had a short time frame to film in. They had Sean Connery for seven days. He did all of his wow. stuff for this movie in one week. And in fact, he bet, according to the trivia, he bet Russell Mulcahy they couldn't do it in seven days and <laughs> lost the bet. You are betting the wrong director, Connery. This is so, the guy who's willing to keep 
who's willing to keep the cables in the in the final scene oh we'll yes so in. we definitely are going to come back to that well no we'll just talk about it right now i they're so blatant and what's funny about it is they they were doing all of the um drawn on lightning the idea to that was to hide it because they use that earlier on in um, the climactic scene where all those big letters are falling off that silver tone sign. Right. Right. Those, the lightning coming off of that was to hide the cables that were pulling the letters down. Oh, okay. Okay. So they tried the same trick, but the problem was it didn't work and it just drew more attention to the fact that you could see the cabling. If they'd left it dark, you wouldn't have noticed it nearly as much. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, you know, it's bad. It, it's kind of <laughs> like I, I knew it was going to fall before I saw it fall because you see you see the cables yeah. attached to the sign taut and pulling and you're it's that's definitely not holding the sign up. No. Um. <laughs> well, so that that scene was originally written to be a fight on top of the Statue of Liberty. They didn't have oh, the man, which would have been awesome, but they didn't have the budget for that. So then they moved it to um, they would have done it before. The X-Men did it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, almost, you know, whatever, 15 years before that. So yeah. then, like, they moved it. It was going to be, I can't remember where the second location was in New York. And then they ended up being able to do it on top of the Silvertone Studios building, mm-hmm. um, which visually had kind of a cool look with that big sign. So the scene looked cool. It was actually one of my, fa- in terms of the action, it was one of my favorite scenes in the movie, The that ending scene between um, uh, Connor McCloud and uh, what was the guy's name? G- G- something Krug? Kurgan. Kurgan. <laughs> Kurgan. 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 That's right. Um, it was really good, that whole scene. And the whole time I kept thinking, like, this is the fight I've been waiting for. Like, not just in terms of the story or the plot or anything, but but this is the, the caliber mm-hmm. of fight I've been waiting for. And it was really, really great. But it's like... It's like you wish they could have just found ways to hide that stuff because it brought you out a little bit, and you're like, oh, well, there you go. Yeah, it but, did a little bit. But I have to say it didn't bother me that much because by the time you get to that point in the movie, you already – like that's at the end. You already know that this is a bombastic, over-the-top – like like, like you're not – you're not trying to be convinced that this is a, a masterpiece of of you know art. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. You're you're definitely at this point. You know this isn't high art. This is a movie. This is like popcorn fare, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, fun action fantasy. Yeah. I love this movie, and I love the the mythology around this, and I and and I'm gonna get into that a little bit more because I think yeah, you yeah. might you might kind of get a kick out of it. But this movie is not without its flaws for sure. I think the pacing overall is actually pretty good. There's some things I would have cut. The love scene can go. You know, that was a like, hey, it's an yeah. 80s action movie. It's got to have a love scene. And yeah, it was I have that so, in my notes. It was so um, forced. Yeah, I was like, so they're, I guess, having an awkward <laughs> sex, sex time now? <laughs> like, she finds out that he's immortal and they got a boink? I don't know. So that was... That was the odd. whole relationship was forced, really. It was um, um, because because I could I kept thinking like like first of all he's just like she, she's like what's going like she's doing her job as an investigator right she's trying to mm-hmm. find out who this guy is and and um, McCloud Connor McCloud's answer to that is hey you want to go to dinner yeah exactly <laughs> yeah I'm not gonna answer your question you want to go on a date. <laughs> Hey, dude's 450 years old. He's done with playing games, right? He's just right. like, I'm going to get to the point. 
Right. Um, and so, but she goes for it and yeah, you're like, what? what are you doing? <laughs> um, yeah. So like I would have cut that and there's a couple of small scenes, like the, the whole thing where he's driving around with her after he kidnaps her, I probably would have cut. And because there's, there was more, um, kind of backstory with the, the immortal that shows up, um, on the bridge, like two thirds of the way into the movie. He just suddenly yeah. there's another guy there and you know, he's only there to get killed by somebody. Right. There was, there was more scenes with him that got cut that I would have liked because it gave you more backstory to Connor. And there was another, yeah. there was another fight that got cut with a, um, a different immortal who actually in, in the way the scene is written, he loses his sword and then he just kind of gives up. He's like, look, I'm done fighting. I don't want to fight anymore. Just kill me. Like that kind of thing that got cut. Yeah. And the, the bummer you're describing right now feel, I feel like they would have given the story a lot more depth. Yes. Um, yes. You know, and... cause, cause it did feel like, and you already said, you're going to tell me you want to talk a little bit about some of the mythology and everything, but it did feel like there's a rich story mm-hmm. behind all this. Yeah, so and I just wasn't getting it. You yeah, know? <laughs> well, okay. So it was never intended to be more than one movie, and the guy that wrote it, that okay. wrote this, okay. the original um, story, is uh, Gregory Wyden. Gregory Wyden went on to write uh, Backdraft. Um, oh, okay. And apparently, Backdraft Two. I didn't know that. Um, some of the later Hellraiser movies and and whatnot. But he had written this as a uh, senior project. Um, I think like. I don't think it was a thesis necessarily, but it was a thing he did in college, sold sure. the sold the story. Um, but it was never meant to go beyond this one movie. That's why it ends with Connor winning the, the prize um, and being right. the, the last immortal. And then five years later, they made a sequel. And Which I, I kind of want to see the sequel now just because I don't know where you go from here. Like, he wins the prize. There's no more Highlanders. He knows everything. <laughs> right so the prize is you can now know everything and what everyone's thinking yeah <laughs> yeah so they they managed to kind of put that away so the the sequel when it first came out was awful it makes zero okay. sense and like the the way the sequel was written suddenly they're not uh immortals anymore they're aliens and they came from a different planet millions of years ago or some some kooky stuff like that. And that's kind of been retconned. They did another, they've, they've done actually five Highlander films. So yeah, I was reading that. Um, and the fourth and fifth actually deal with a different Highlander character who was in the TV series. There was a TV series that ran for six seasons in the mid nineties. Wow. Um, and that's actually where the mythology really grew, and I kind of got hooked. I had seen Highlander. Well, I was about to say that I think I bet you it works well as a series. Oh, it works great as a series because they do away with the whole idea. Like early on in the series, they kind of had the the whole the gathering and and the immortals were coming together, but they sort of did away with that and kind of hand waved it. Like, well, we think that the gathering was happening, but it really wasn't. We're just you know that way we can keep the show going. But what's sure. cool about it is you've got new immortals coming in all the time. You have more characters that can bring in. They brought in this secret society of humans called the watchers. You can guess what they do, (laughs) but they, um, they literally don't interfere with the immortals. They just watch and document. Um, and it brought in some of my favorite characters in this mythology came from the series. So while 
it would have been nice if this had been like just one self-contained story and let him have the prize at the end and, and never talk about it again. I do think that once they started expanding on it, it got a lot better because you get you get all sorts of really cool ideas of like what it's like to be immortal. And right. Well, there's also so many unanswered questions in this movie that I was waiting <laughs> for answers for but never got. Like, like, well, first of all, why? <laughs> why do these guys even exist like i don't understand they're so here you are you've been given these powers you're immortal and one day you're gonna want to fight each other and then there will be only one and you'll get a prize but who gives the prize i don't know but there's only one of you left and that's what you want to do it will be a irresistible urge that you have someday right so that's that's <laughs> one like the why is one thing that never really got explained it's just but what they did was over the course of time and the way that the story evolved, it was no longer about um, necessarily finding the prize as okay. it was okay. the way they survived through time. They, they, they don't know. They can't explain how they come about, and there's no way to know who will be born and become immortal. Okay. But the way that they kind of evolved the mythology was kind of interesting because immortals don't age, but right. they don't age because they died once if they didn't die violently like that some there there was one i remember a story where there was one that just grew old and died because he never they never sustained that trauma that like kick-started it and but there was okay. ways for people yeah. to, there was ways for immortals to tell who could become an immortal so they would find a way to like kill them so they'd like seek them out yeah and then and then kill them yeah, so the, the, the quickening that they mentioned in this movie once, and yeah. you see that's sort of the, the thing that happens after you take the immortal's head, that also got expanded on where they can feel each other's presence. So you sort of get a little bit of that in here, where like mm -hmm. Sean Connery's sitting there, and all of a sudden he looks up because he knows the Kurgan is right there. That that got expanded on to where they, they can do that a lot more, um, which was really cool. Yeah. And just the, the, the larger number of immortals that, that started to come about and the different ways you could weave in backstories of like how they crossed paths once or twice or how they've survived as long as they have. You know, that See, was and that's why I say that I bet it would work well as a series because mm -hmm. that was a thought that I had while I was watching this is is I kept having the thought of like, okay, the, okay, so this is supposed to be you know a fantasy movie okay well maybe not maybe it's supposed to be sci-fi okay hold on it's they're trying to be action no wait wait wait. they're trying to be a romance movie what's what <laughs> like, yeah so, um, so it felt like they couldn't make up their mind and i feel like in a series you would have more time and space to exploit explore these different types of arcs yeah and and whatnot because there were a lot of interesting moments that i wanted to know more about mm -hmm. i wanted to go down that path and um they there was there was a lot of intrigue and a lot of mystery that just a lot of the questions didn't get answered. One of my favorite things um, was only my favorite because of the headcanon I was trying to create for it and wanted to know more about was the relationship between Connor McCloud and Rachel. I wanted I kept thinking like I want a oh, yeah. whole series about Connor and Rachel, how they met when she was a little girl. And their life, their life together. Yes, you know, like, I'm. No, I'm like, with you on that. Like that would have been a great one to do. And I want to say there was a, 
there was a series of comics at one point, and they may have explored it in that. I know even though he leaves at the end of this movie, um, in the fourth movie, he's in it again. So so Connor McCloud was in the first four movies. And then the series had started in 92 with uh, one of his kinsmen, Duncan McCloud. That's how they kept it as a Highlander. I've heard that name before. So, so my friend must have also watched the sequels without me. Could be. <laughs> um, so you had movies one, two, and three were solely Connor McCloud. And in, during that time period, the show started. The show got fairly popular in syndication. So the fourth movie combined them, and they had both Connor and Duncan in that. Okay. And they did have Rachel come back. Um, it, it wasn't for very long. But you're right. Like sure. that. That's a really interesting idea. And that scene, I wish, that's the kind of stuff I wish there could have been more of, more of that backstory with her or with Castigill or, you know, these other immortals instead of the woman. Yeah, because you could tell in the writing and the way it was written was in, you know, they weren't beating you over the head with the relationship. They were just showing that the relationship existed. Mm-hmm. And that I appreciated that, that, you know, especially the one with Rachel where she's, you know, apparently working for him at this antique place that he works at. And also um, brilliant, owns brilliant it. cover. If you're going to be an immortal, like, cause yeah, he would have all this collected stuff. all this stuff over time. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but, uh, so there was, and there was clearly a relationship there, but they, I, I feel like in the writing and the directing, they were, they were betting on people, being more uh being more attached to that relationship than they were because like there's that scene where where connor and rachel he's like all right i've got all my i can't do my connor mcleod voice it's like a weird frenchish voice like i've got all my things um but you know i've given you power of attorney yeah and i'm not coming back from this she's like you're not coming back even if you win or lose and then there's that you know they're like there's a touching moment that that i i intellectually understood was supposed to be touching mm-hmm. but right. I, but i just didn't feel it because i i don't know a lot about but to be fair that was their relationship was the one that i understood the most because at least they did show you um at least in this cut because i found out reading that the original u.s theatrical release did oh. not show you the scene where connor mcleod um meets rachel when yeah. she's a girl which I totally get why, because I also read that the director was like mad about it. Yeah, I would have been too. That like, particular cut, because he was like, their relationship is incomprehensible if you don't see this scene, and it totally makes sense. Because right, how would she have yeah. like what what reason would he have for telling her anything? How would she know who he is? Right, that one right. little scene is enough to at least give you that much, and then you can kind of infer and build the pieces from there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, an entire movie of just the two of them, like through the ages, her growing up and, and all that as he takes care, because he basically took care of her. It was almost like a daughter that eventually right. looks older than you, which has got to be horrible. <laughs> like, and that's one of the things yeah, with yeah. Highlander that's always really interesting to me is this idea of like, not only is there the constant struggle of, you don't know who is going to be out there trying to take your head off. But you also right. have to live in this world and live with these people. And it, it's hard to make that attachment. Like he gets attached to Heather, his wife in Scotland, and he mm-hmm. won't leave her as she ages and gets older and eventually just dies of old age. Yeah, and that's a classic uh that's a classic storytelling like immortality mm-hmm. trope, right? 
Um, and it's a good one. I'm, I don't say trope in a pejorative kind of way. Like, it's a good trope. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's used in vampire stories all the time and just immortality trope in general. Just the person who is going to outlive everyone they know and and have to watch all their friends and loved ones die over and over again throughout their life. Yep. And um, and it is one of the things that, that again, you they, they stuck with, like, like I really appreciate the mythology or the idea behind the mythology of the Highlander um, franchise. Like everything you're telling me is, is like, those are all the things that I, I wanted to know more about, but, but this movie d just didn't do it for me because of all of those unanswered questions. Um, yeah. I, I'm glad that eventually people went on to answer those questions, but. And um, I will warn you, there are some diminishing returns in the sequel movies. Um, and I'm not, it's it's always odd to me to to see that because the same producers worked on those movies that worked on the series. They were the the okay. same people, and the series had maybe it's just because it was episodic and they were trying to go too large or fit too much story into a movie. Because I I loved the series. I've watched the entire thing. I really enjoyed the fourth movie when it combined what was in the the show with the movie universe and. It had a really cool idea, and then they made a fifth movie, and I was so stoked for it. This that one came out in two thousand six, I think, and it went from getting a theatrical release to straight to Sci Fi Channel, and that's when I knew something wasn't right. <laughs> but I watched it anyway, and it was awful. It was oh, no. it's not yeah. good at all, and it really kills it for me because it has one of the characters that they introduced in the show. Um throughout the run of the show, they brought in this character named Mythos and he's a 5,000 year old man. He's the oldest living immortal. Wow. And he was such an interesting character because he was a survivor. He wasn't, he wasn't this like, he wasn't a good guy, but he wasn't a bad guy, but he had just learned how to survive over time. But he kind of was a good guy at, at the same time. Like he's just an interesting complex character that they wasted in two of the movies. Yeah. So, but you're right. I mean, there's there's definitely questions left unanswered in this um, that they do go on to answer some of them. So if you if you enjoyed this at all, it is worth checking out at least some of the other the other stuff. If you think that the yeah. the mythology is interesting at all, because it really is kind of just a cool world, like a universe that to live in to to get inside of. Um, I think. I mean, I really enjoy the the world that they built. Yeah, it does sound interesting, but um, I th also I think so. So, what did I? So uh, in this movie, one thing I think they could have done a lot better is just picked what kind of movie it needed. They wanted it to be, and just gone with it and made it shorter because, um, I was geared up to really love it. Like the very the opening with Sean Connery reading reading the text and saying like the you know these are the Highlanders and this is deal mm -hmm. um and uh or this is these these are the immortals and and this is whatever um i keep calling them highlanders but uh it's the immortals right <laughs> but uh i i liked that read at the beginning and then i like how they like go right into that queen song um oh yeah and then um and and i get really pumped up for it in my notes i even wrote because i took some notes as I was reading it, mm -hmm. I, the first note I wrote was right away set up as a badass movie about badasses fighting for survival. Why? 
who the hell cares? Queen loves it. I love it. <laughs> yes. There you go. That's perfect. Hang on. I got like, it. and that's what I was ready for. And then I just, it just, uh, I don't know. It, it went downhill for a while after that, uh, because for, <laughs> I'll wait for him to come back. Sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> Dog, dogs having a freak out moment. Calm it down. happens. A- animals, animals behave in yeah. ways that are not understandable. No, maybe, not um, really. maybe Connor McLeod, maybe he, uh, he can read animals' minds now too. <laughs> maybe, who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, after that opening, I was waiting for a lot of that and it just was so slow at the beginning. Yeah. Because um, it, it did. It started off with that great, like, so the scene at Madison Square Garden with the wrestling match, that was actually originally supposed to be an NHL game. Okay. The NHL didn't want them to focus on the violence of the game because that was what they were going to use. It was going to be the same thing. It was oh. the violence of the game giving him kind of flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they said no. So they're like, all right, we'll do wrestling, which I think worked. I think that, that looked good. Um, they actually – I feel like it kind of evoked – it probably – like it worked better to evoke that sense of, of like one-on-one combat. Also. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, and there was a really cool camera move they did in that that was new technology at the time. It was like a almost like a fly-by-wire, that mm. shot that went over the entire place, and it they actually put in the sound of a like helicopter rotor. It was a um, a four-way wire rig that they had that they could computer control to oh, get nice. that shot, which was. I mean, visually, it looked really cool. And you were yeah. able to go from the ground floor up into the balcony into the second level of seats. So I, I dug that. But you're right. After that scene and then after the sword fight, it slows down and the pacing gets a little off. Yeah. And the, like like I already said that the, the fight at the end was really great. I mm-hmm. feel like if they were going to like where their budget should have gone in the fight choreography should have been at that first fight and the last fight. But the first fight, I also thought it, it, it gave me a lot of questions that I wanted to answer. So I was I was drawn in um, because there was a lot of weird, interesting things happening in that first fight where where they were um, where they were fighting each other. But but the fight choreography was real bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is interesting because the guy that he was fighting with um, that was playing the character of Facile was the stunt coordinator for the movie. And, <laughs> and not, only, not only that, but the, um, the sword technique and everything done in this, the, the guy that they had for that was Bob Anderson, who, if you're not familiar with the name, basically until that guy died, if there was sword fighting in a film, Bob Anderson was teaching it. He was Errol Flynn's stunt double at one time. And he did like all the sword work for Lord of the Rings. He did all the sword work for just about anything in in Hollywood. Like he was the go-to guy. So he did a lot of that fight choreography too. It's funny that you say that because, okay, so when I was in high school, I did um, the SCA for the Society for Creative Anachronism. Basically, it's just a bunch of geeks that get together and hit each other with swords. Right. Uh, but they try to do it historically accurately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, so the reason I say that is because I remember a lot of stuff from that. And when I was watching the sword fights that I know I just said uh, the fight choreography needed some work. But one thing I did think about was I wonder why I'm not enjoying this that much because it, the things that they're doing look like they're fighting the way they should be fighting yeah 
Um, think... But I'm just finding it dull. And maybe it's just, maybe it was the cinematography. It was the way it was directed. Who knows? It's hard to say because there was so much of this movie that like visually was really interesting. The way that he would shoot mm -hmm. a lot of, I mean, he shot a lot of Clancy Brown from low angles with a wide angle lens. So you got a little fisheye effect and you're always making him look taller than he really is. And Clancy yeah, Brown's yeah. a tall guy already. But um, it had a lot of but like I, tracking I was... shots like that. But then you're right. There was some of the choreo some of the blocking for the fights. Now, I'm wondering, too, if it uh, like that first fight, because they were trying to do it in a parking garage. And that's kind of yeah. a weird spot to, to fight in already. And you got all the cars in the way, too. Like maybe that had something to do with it because you can only move so much. Yeah. And they didn't have like a John Woo or anything. So Right. No, that's true. Um, but uh, and, and speaking of that, um, I do try to keep things like that in mind when I watch older movies like this. Um, that that we are, especially me, are spoiled by modern action movies. This is true. Um, the the techniques for doing all this stuff have, have advanced so far. Um, the cinematography, the way that we can do things now is, is advanced so far um, that we're used to seeing things in a different way. And so sometimes it can seem artificially bad when maybe it isn't. So I didn't ding this movie for the fight choreography because I, I try to keep that in mind. Like maybe... If I was watching this in the 80s, maybe I would have found this a lot more impressive. But I can't obviously go back and and true and I, and watch it in that context. So so I try to I try not to let that influence my like actual rating of a movie. So yeah, well, it's it's kind of like if you look at the the lightsaber duel in Empire Strikes Back and compare it right. to like say a lightsaber duel in a modern Star Wars movie, they're very different. Right. And that's a product of their time. So, and it's not fair to com to say, "Oh, the lightsaber duel was terrible." So this movie sucks. Like right. that's just not fair. <laughs> it's true. Um, so, so I try to keep that in mind. Like my my criticism of the movie is has a lot more to do with with how it slogged in the story, how they couldn't make up their mind about what they were doing, and about how I kept getting like little teases. And I want to know more about that, and then they go in the other direction, right? Yeah, they won't. Yeah. They didn't deliver on a lot of the. Yeah, no, the, I get, what, I get what I felt like they were promising, um, it was uh, the the first moment that I think I finally got drawn, like really fully drawn in, and was like, okay, I'm I'm here, is when they were doing the uh, the flashback, like like training montage with Sean Connery. Oh yeah, um, which uh, and maybe a lot of that has to do with Sean Connery. Sean Connery, even in this, was uh, was a was a great actor. Um, yeah, you mean he, he did a great. I believed him. Uh, he was he was good. Yeah, he has a presence, and so because originally I think, again, this is trivia. So you know how much of it is real, I don't know. But he was a, apparently offered the role of Connor McCloud, and he said, "No, you know what? I want to be this character," and he worked better, I think, especially at the at the stage. You get Sean Connery in you know James Bond era. Yeah, he can be Connor yeah. McCloud. You're good to go. But at this point, he's old enough. Let him be the 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 father figure, the the mentor. He can be the Yoda character. Yeah, yeah. And so Christopher Lambert, uh, Connor McCloud, he did a great job too. I actually I liked the acting. I liked the character, and I liked Lambert in this movie. I did too. Um, one thing I I made note of while I was watching it was he did a really great job of in those flashbacks making a like like his in his acting there was a there was a clear distinction between the the like young 
naive Connor McLeod who didn't know what he was doing and was just being introduced to this idea of being an immortal and trying to figure out who he was mm -hmm. uh, versus the like the like older, more tired, uh, been through this for several hundred years Connor McLeod um, of the present day. Like you could tell just by the way he carried himself, by the way he talked, he was a lot more cynical sounding, I feel like. Yep. Um, so the so looks he that a, he would give, like he, yeah, he, he did a great job. Yeah. He was able to do a good amount of acting with just his eyes, which he kind of had to, because when he signed on for the movie, he didn't speak English. Oh my gosh. Really? He had done one English movie before Highlander and that was Greystoke, the legend of Tarzan. And he had hardly any lines in it. So he barely wow. spoke English when he signed on for this movie. So that's really, that either speaks to him as, as an actor, well, certainly it does speak to him as an actor, but but either it speaks to him as his ability in his ability to learn English really well, or to the director directing him, because there were a lot of um, there was a lot of really subtle humor in the way that his lines were delivered. Yeah, that um, it really surprises me that he just had just learned English that when yeah, and and it worked. He was able to deliver the lines that well, mm -hmm. and it worked somewhat to his advantage because they. They worked on having um, Connor McCloud have an accent of indistinguishable origin was was kind of what they went for. So that's why, you know, there's yeah. the line where the one guy's like, you talk funny. Where are you from? Lots of different places. Like, yeah, I it like makes that sense. Line. That was and a really good line. so it, it not only worked for the character, but it probably also helped the actor a little bit, too. Mm. And yeah, because he's he does. He still does sound vaguely French. But you can just yeah. say, well, he spent a lot of time in France, and there you go. It works. But no, I liked I liked him for exactly the reasons you mentioned. Like He did a great job of portraying different versions of Connor over time. So you've got – it was yeah. a lot of very young, naive Connor, headstrong, you know, all that. And then you got the old, cynical – like, I've been doing this shit for 400 years. I've seen it all. And you had some yeah. of those middle ones, like in the 1940s, where he's – almost playful with yeah. Rachel and um, you know, that, that line, it's a kind of magic. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think he would, I think he did a great job. Um, he gets a lot of crap for some of the movies that he's done, but he can be a decent actor. Yeah. It's um, it was great. I liked, uh, I, I got the sense also that he like, there's so much, and I feel like this just comes out of the acting. You know, there's there was there's a lot of potential in this movie. Is where is ultimately mm -hmm. where I'm going. Um, because there was uh, there was his again in his relationship with Rachel. You get the sense that he wanted to he wanted to he wanted to find a wife and settle down and have kids and be a family man. Like that's what he really wanted to do. And um, and he couldn't. Right. It's it, like he didn't choose this. Um, he he just wasn't al allowed to do it. And and you get this kind of like almost existential, like Sisyphean um, fight that he's going through of of resisting that that um, that urge to do that, but also at the same time resisting the advice that. Um, what was his name? Ramirez. Was that who Sean yeah. Connery was? Yep. Ramirez. The advice that Ramirez gave him of, you know, don't, you, you can't have a family. You can't be connected to these people. You, you need to just give it up. Yeah. Like it's not going to work. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, and he never does. Or I feel like you get the sense that maybe he has tried and he just has tried and failed to to leave people behind. Yeah, and that was and, and that was something that the series um, went into a lot as well with Duncan. Um, because Duncan starts off the series, he's got a mortal girlfriend that knows he's immortal and she knows she's going to out age him and all of this kind of stuff. But there's a lot of that that goes on because you get, you also get him running into, um, you know, uh, an immortal that he tried to have a relationship with at one point you get, um, they delved into like an immortal couple that had been together for hundreds of years and married yeah. for this whole time. Like a lot of that. So yeah, I, I think again, it's that potential. It's that, that, that interest, uh, interesting stuff that they have in that mythology. Um, mm -hmm. And then, of course, you have the Kurgan. Uh, Clancy Brown yeah, so just let's talk about Clancy killing Brown. it. Yeah. He is so good in this. Yeah, he... Um, it's like it's like he embodied this character, and he ratcheted it up to, like, 11. Because, um, like, he's weird and kind of gross and, yeah. <laughs> and nuts. Um, you can tell from this character that he is obsessed with being the one, yep. the last, uh, the last immortal. And so obsessed that, that he's just gone. He doesn't care anymore. Nope. Like he's, he's fully accepted. He's immortal. And that means he can do a lot of things and get away with a lot of things that other people can't. He doesn't care about being subtle about his violence. He's, there's that whole terrifying scene where he takes Brenda on this, like, uh, like, romp through town playing chicken with everyone in the, yeah. the city <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> in a vehicle in a car and it's just nuts it's crazy and you get the sense that he's crazy um, yeah definitely um the whole scene where he where they're in the church um and that was funny because in the trivia apparently after they filmed a bunch of that clancy brown mm -hmm. went to the priest and the nuns and was like i'm i'm sorry for the things that i was saying like yeah. he, he didn't want to offend them with his character, That's... but he would get so into character that he would do that. Right. And, you know, you get, so I love Clancy Brown. Like I see him in something. I'm excited. I remember, um, watching, uh, Cowboys and aliens. Yeah. And I had no idea he was in it and I'm watching it. And all of a sudden he shows up and I was just like, this movie just got better. And so yeah. you have him in that he's this big imposing figure, right? Like he's, I think six foot four or something. He's a big guy and his voice and he had that gravel and that growl in his voice. And it just like, it makes your skin crawl. He's so good at yeah. that. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to think that he was Mr. Krabs on SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. the same guy. Yeah. But I love that they gave like, there's a, I don't know, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg, but, but I love that they gave, there's that, that lore story reason for his voice because uh, Ramirez, yeah. he fought with Ramirez and he slashed his throat, you mm -hmm. know? And they even have a line in there where he's like, ah, you know, your voice sounds great there after he cut his throat. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, no, I, I did like that. Cause if you, if you go back and watch it again, you'll notice that his voice is slightly different in the scenes ahead it, of it that. Is, yeah. And... Cause when I heard that, I was like, I wonder, and I did back it up and it's, um, it's smoother and cleaner mm -hmm. before that. And then he gives it that, that in that scene, he gives it like this really great, like gurgle growl, yeah. you know? Um, and then later it's just this like crunchy raspy growl for the rest of the movie. And, um, 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, and when he's... he has no hair, when he shaved his own head oh, yeah. and everything, he looks terrifying. <laughs> he does. <you> know? <laughs> and then they did something with his eyes at the end too, where he had like almost like shark's eyes in that last yeah. fight where they just go completely black. Like he's just that mm-hmm. there is no more Kurgan. He's gone he he's gone yeah. way past. Um yeah, I just love that. His sword is kind of goofy and definitely wouldn't work, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's I the can... first thing I thought. I was like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, I... He's like assembling his sword like a sniper rifle <laughs> yeah. or something. <laughs> that was great. Um, but I can let that go. Whatever. Maybe, maybe right, there's like, something magical like I let to that it. slide because I felt like they were doing that because they just wanted it to be like this goofy kind of, not goofy. I don't think they were going for goofy, but they wanted there to be some sort of like, like they weren't afraid to be humorous either in this movie. Yeah, they didn't take um, themselves too seriously. I think right. Is the that's big where thing. I'm going with this. Is they were like, let's just make something that's weird and cool. Yeah. Like, who cares if it works? <laughs> yeah, and it and it turned out fun. I mean, that's that's the yeah. best part about it is, it doesn't have. Not everything has to take itself too seriously. Like, I can I can suspend disbelief on a lot of things if you are consistent. If there's some if there are rules in the universe that you've created and you follow those rules, I can let a lot of things go that normally would bother me. Like a sword that's in four pieces that you put together. Right. Working. And but also they didn't like they didn't hammer that point. Like it wasn't like every time he went to use his sword he like had to whip out the briefcase and assemble it. Yeah, exactly. It, he it did it once and that time. was it. It was just the one time like you, you get the sense that somebody was like, Wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> yes. Like, yes. Exactly that. Cool they were like, Yeah, let's do that. That let's just show that. That would be cool. Um and that's that's what, what some of the things I do appreciate the, about the movie is that they were just like, let's just have fun with this, you know. Um, yeah, and then you but, get you get Queen to do the music for the movie, like all the music. So I read also that they contacted Queen for the uh, end credits music, mm-hmm. and they were like, uh, like, "Hey guys, can you do this for us? Here's the script, or here's a movie." I think they sent them like a, a cut of the movie, and they said, "Can you do the end credits mu- music for us? We would like you to do that." And um, and they're like, yeah, that's great. But they saw the when they saw the movie, they all of them, all the members of Queen loved the movie so much. Yeah, they were like, we're not doing just one song. <laughs> we'll do them all. Yeah, we're doing all the music. Apparently, what happened was all the members of Queen each sat down and picked out their favorite scene from the movie and then mm-hmm. wrote a song. I love that. That that is so cool. And yeah. and they're great. Like. And they, this wasn't their first movie soundtrack because they had done Flash Gordon a few years earlier. Okay. And, but I just love that because their music is like Queen's music is always so, um, almost operatic, right? And it's very bombastic, so it works for a film uh, like this. And there was a, a Twitter thread going on earlier today. Somebody had mentioned, you know, what's a what's a song that when you hear it immediately makes you think of a movie? And mm-hmm. Princes of the Universe is that for me. Like I hear that. And immediately I'm picturing guys fighting with swords. But the funny thing is, because I told you I'd never seen the movie, but all my friends had. Mm -hmm. And we listened to that song so much. And that's also (laughs) the first thing I think of when I hear that song. And I've never, (laughs) I'd never seen the movie before. That's awesome. (laughs) So like, that's how iconic and perfect it really was for the movie. You know, and it's, it's that one. And then who wants to live forever? That haunting song that, that yeah. really sad one like and they the producers use both of those songs a lot in the franchise the princes of the universe was the theme for the tv series as well 
but they would bring back things like who wants to live forever in later movies and and all that but the music i mean i loved it the um there's a little clip of queen doing new york new york during the car the scene that you were talking about where he's driving her around in the car that apparently was never released anywhere um oh that's there was like some bootleg versions and that was it um but yeah, I, I just love I love Queen doing the music for this, and oh, the visually, there was just some stuff that was so cool. They did a lot of steady cam work. There was a lot of tracking shots. There was a lot. There was quite a, a number of shots that would follow somebody walking along, um, and I think some of that's that uh, guerrilla film style, right? So they you're on a short schedule and you don't have much of a budget, so keep the camera moving. You can get more done that right. way, right? And it worked. Um, you know, my in my notes I wrote down, I'm like, it's not a perfect movie. I love the movie, but it's definitely got yeah. flaws. Um but it started something and it the re the only reason it got a a sequel at all was it got a cult following because it didn't do well in the box office. No, I, I read that as well. It was a poorly performing box office movie. But speaking of the visuals, that's another thing that I noticed and I really liked was the uh the the locations the locations looked really nice Mm -hmm. Uh, not just and i'm not just talking about the like scottish highlands like you just that's cheating right that's Um, easy that's just point a camera and you're good like film anything there and it's going to look nice but like the church we were just talking about with kurgan connor and kurgan were at church it was a great looking church the cinematography in that church they had beautiful looking shots that really showcased the architecture in that church um there was uh there were a lot of what had to have been um well i guess they would have been drone shots if they were done today but it had to have been done from a helicopter lots of shots through the the city yeah uh, following the car driving through the city um the the fight scene at the end looked great like the movie looked good the costumes were really good yeah um, i really i enjoyed that um the props looked great there was one scene or one shot in that first fight when he's reaching under the car to get his sword that you can see the big screw that's holding the dragon head um, into the sword oh. if you watch. But <laughs> I didn't, but like the, the props were good. I liked the varying different swords. That's always uh, been a thing in the Highlander universe is how everybody's always got their own t- type of sword. You don't have, everybody doesn't yeah. have katanas. Um, and I always yeah, enjoyed like Kurgan that. had a broad sword. Um, or at least I think I'm not a sword expert. Uh, but I felt like I think that was a broadsword or yeah. a longsword. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. You know, of course, there's the katana who, that Brenda calls the samurai. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, whatever. I'll, I'll let that go. Um, yeah. Even though she should know the difference if she's supposedly yeah, she's an expert. Kind of metallurgical yeah. sword expert. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, visually, it looked good. It sounded pretty good. I did think. The more I've watched the movie over the years, I do think the sound of the swords hitting each other is weird. Well, it had that like like old stereotypical like clang quang. Yeah, <laughs> it's got an odd yeah. tone to it, but the but, they did but do. I, a, I think all swords that I remember hearing back then sounded like that, so that didn't bother me because yeah, that's you're probably kind of like this, there. the sound of the time to me. Um, one thing they did in this that I thought was interesting was they had sparks, right and a lot of that was drawn in lightning, but the sparks from the swords were real. So what they would do is yeah, any time they were they would have that effect going on. There was a, a wire attached to the sword 
running down the sleeve and down to a car battery. And so one actor would have positive and one actor would have negative. Oh my God. And so it would literally arc when they there's would no sword way. fight. There's no way that union rules allow for this nowadays. <laughs> well, I mean, as long as the handle that they're, they're touching isn't metal, right, and is grounded so that, that they're safe, it should be okay. But I feel like the principal actors would not be allowed to do it nowadays, though. Like they, no. they would definitely be stunt, stunt. Oh yeah, you wouldn't get insurance. Wouldn't sign off on that at all. No. Yeah, um, exactly. So you're gonna take a <laughs> car yeah. battery, live electricity running through these things? I don't think so. But it, um, it's a cool idea, like to get that shot, idea. and that's probably also where some of those shots, like in the parking garage. You got to try and hide that wire, and you got to hide that battery, right? So you you got to shoot something from behind a car, so you don't see the battery uh, sitting there. Yeah. So that that could play into it as well. And they continued yeah. that in the series because there was a I remember seeing like behind the scenes stuff where you would see them have to stop and swap out swords, so they'd bring in a different prop that had the wire on it. And uh, I That's do interesting. It did feel like it must have been a magical icon, like a magical immortal sword thing. Yeah. So, and I do love the the conceit that you have to make in this movie that they just have a way of carrying these swords around with them in modern times and nobody noticing. Like, yes, he wears the trench coat so he can hide it, but like, right. is he just holding the sword inside his trench coat at all times? No, it's a it's a katana. Right. It's, <laughs> it's not like a dagger. <laughs> and that was that was another one of those behind the scenes shots I always thought was funny was there was there was one where they show uh, Adrian Paul who plays Duncan McLeod and he's going to reach into his jacket and they they cut and they run in the sword so he didn't have it and then they have to like place right. it in there for him to grab so I mean that's a conceit you have to make right now interestingly there was talk should have given them all assemblable swords they should have <laughs> right or you know switchblades switchblade yeah. swords. Right. Um, there was talk of there being a remake um, and kind of a reboot of the Highlander franchise uh, for years. At one point, Gerard Butler was going to play um, a redone Connor McLeod. Oh, that would have they were work well. Yeah, they were going to have uh, Dave Batista as the Kurgan, which oh my god, yeah, I think could have worked. I don't know what's happened. It's been in development hell forever. Um, which is unfortunate, but I would really be interested to see a modern take on this because one of the things that the series did was there was more and more of like people with video cameras and, you know, computerized records. And I'd be really, you know, in our modern era of like surveillance and all this stuff, how you would hide the fact that you've been alive for that many years. Yeah. Because the way they did it in this movie, I thought was brilliant he the the that whole concept of like he would find somebody who died at birth and assume their identity yeah just, that was really clever yeah, yeah i thought so um so i'd love to see like a modern version of how we would pull that off yeah yeah that would be um that would be interesting to see and that was another thing i did think again is that not only would this work well as a series but it would work well as like a modern series like i could see it as a as a as a sci- speaking of sci-fi i could see it as a like modern sci-fi series mm-hmm. um sci-fi's totally. made some good stuff lately and um and they could they could really i think with the right people and in a budget you know not, i don't even think it needs that much of a budget but um they could uh they could do something really interesting 
with that because just get some good get some good writers behind it and there's a lot of rich you've it's got a lot of rich stuff to work with yeah there's hooks there's there's the base of some really interesting stuff to build on and kit london in the chat brings up the the you know be afraid there'd be too much cgi yeah that's always a concern but as long as you you get the right mix of practical effects and the right budget to do it just car batteries still yeah just that's all you need wire in a car battery um (laughs) so i always like to capture audio um, and there's a few things I capture anytime I hear it in a movie. One of them are laughs. Laughs yeah. for me, like, especially when we did Nick Cage month last year, I was catching a lot of Nick Cage laughs because he'd have these just horrible fake laughs. But <laughs> Christopher Lambert is known for that kind of, that, that laugh that he does when he did his Raiden um, and all that. So I had to capture that. And just because I love Christopher Lambert's little, like, chuckle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. That gets me every time. It's, it's so funny that you say uh, that you bring up Mortal Kombat because I, as soon as you said, it, I heard that laugh and I could see him with the hat on doing that. Doing yeah. That laugh. <laughs> um, and then the Kurgan had a good one too. This was, this had a little bit of that gurgle you were talking about because it's from that scene where he gets the, the the throat cut, and it sounded like this. And this Clancy Brown, genius. <laughs> mm. Um. I did like Connor calling him a haggis. Yeah. I thought that was a great insult. That was a funny joke. Yeah. And, um, and they brought it back. It it was a touching moment at the end when he, uh, when he says it again. Yeah. You know, you old haggis. uh, Yeah. Um, oh, so his name again, he's a Scotsman playing an Egyptian with a Spanish name. And it's a very Spanish name because it is. I am Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. And I don't sound Rally Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> um, the most famous line in this movie, even if you've never seen or heard of Highlander at all, you've heard somebody say, There can be only one. There can be only one. Yeah, that's... Uh... But they say... It, it was, they, there there can the be end. only five, because they say it five times in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But that iconic um, one where he says that like that, it happens right at the end. And I, yeah. I... Like I've seen that that shot of him saying that with the yeah that crane yeah. shot and they've got the wind blowing yeah. on him. That's the only time Connor says it in the movie. Is right at the yeah. end. Um, he says it. Sean Connery says it once, and then the Kurgan actually says it three different times, which I think is interesting because he's so obsessed with being the one. So it's like I kind of yeah, like that they did so that. He keeps saying it. You know that's that is interesting. And then um, the other thing that I capture anytime I hear it in a movie is is this. Happy Halloween, ladies. Anybody that says Happy Halloween, I have to I have to have a clip of that. <laughs> At some point, I'm going to mash them all together and just have this like ten minute long thing of people saying Happy Halloween. That is, you know, it's funny. I would have never picked it out, but I can. <laughs> I feel like I hear that all the time in movies now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to keep hearing it now. Oh yeah, even um, more. I'm going to be texting you every time I'm watching. Oh, look. <laughs> they said it. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's Highlander. It's If you haven't seen it before, you should. You, you kind of owe it to yourself to at least, at least watch it once to kind of see what it is. Go into it knowing what you're going to get. You're getting yeah. some mid-80s action-y sci-fi fantasy. There's a little romance thrown in there that doesn't really belong and feels 
there's no chemistry between the two of them at all. No, not at all. I mean, if I, if I were remaking this, I'm cutting all of that stuff, all of the police subplot stuff kind of out of it. Like I might let there be some very small subplot that has to do with the police trying to figure out what's going on. But I focus yeah. on Connor. I focus on his relationships and uh, the Kurgan. Yeah. There's more chemistry. You get more chemistry between Connor McLeod and that immortal on the bridge than you do <laughs> between yeah. Connor and Brenda. Who, by the way, was in uh, Star Wars. Ooh, yeah. He was um, the captain in uh, episode one of the Naboo ship. I never knew that growing up. And then when I rewatched this after seeing episode one, I'm like, holy crap, it's the same guy. Cool. So yeah, you should, you should watch it. It holds up. Well, I wouldn't say it holds up. Um, <laughs> no, that, that's <laughs> but, fair. Uh, but it, um, it's, it's rewatchable. It's watchable in a way that a lot of eighties movies are not. Um, I did not feel like I was suffering through it. I did think that there were some times when I was like, uh, I was checking my watch, you know, a lot, uh, but I wasn't suffering through it. Like there were, it had moments that I really enjoyed. It was fun when it was fun or it was fun when it was trying to be fun. Um, it was intriguing when it was trying to be intriguing. It's just in those intriguing moments. Like, it's just like the first half of the movie, they draw out way too long mm-hmm. and, and create too much mystery and intrigue where, where it could, that could have been condensed a lot. Yes. Um, yeah, and and you you tighten up the the story, it, it's better, and that's that's the thing. You just have to, you have to know going into it. There's going to be some parts that drag a little bit, and as long as you can yeah. make it through those, which I think I agree with you, the the parts that work work well enough that they kind of can make up for um, some of that dragging part of it, and it makes for a fun, entertaining movie, and it's going to leave you. At least it, I know it's, it left me and it sounds like it left you with like, I want to know more about it. And right. thankfully you've got some more things to do. Again, you're going to get varying uh, levels of return on that investment. Sure. But the series, I, I highly recommend. Um, yeah. It really, you, you kind of have to, like any late 80s, early 90s series, you got to make it through that first season for it mm-hmm. to really find its legs. But man, it got good. Yeah. That's you kind of come to expect that kind of thing, especially in that time, a whole yeah. season. But um, so bef- one other thing that I thought yeah. I kept thinking when I heard uh, Lambert's voice, and I wouldn't have thought of this at the time back then, like in Mortal Kombat when I was when I was watching Lambert back when when he was doing stuff. Um, but I think about it now is all I could think about when I heard his accent was Werner Herzog. Oh yeah, yeah. There is a he little bit a of that. Very, like, there's a lot of like, uh, like bounty hunting is a is a dangerous job. <laughs> yeah, he he does have a little like rasp in his voice, and I I've always been one to enjoy Lambert when I see him in something. He's done some horrendously yeah. bad movies, but that's not his fault, right? Nick Cage has done some bad movies too, but he's fun right, to watch, and like Lambert's fun to like watch. Yeah, just like Nick Cage, they're just like, like they're they're doing it because that's what they that's their job. Like you you do the work, you know, and you get the paycheck and and uh and yeah. you have fun doing it, you know. And Kit in the chat is asking, uh, was the guy that wrote the story happy that they made more movies, or did he not really have an opinion? I don't know that he really had much of an opinion. Um, after 
afterwards, really, because he sold the story fairly early on. Um, and he helped, uh, I think he helped with the sequel. I don't remember, but, um, but I don't, I don't think he had a problem with it because it, as far as I know, he gets residuals from the creating the characters because he's always like, everything is always, you know, based on characters created by Gregory Wyden. So, but yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good fun movie. You should definitely check it out. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And uh, I'm glad that I got to, uh, you know, finally get you to watch it. So, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have watched it had you not. Well, perfect. (laughs) Well, well, now what we can do is you can come back on later on and we'll do Highlander 2. Let's do it. Because that's got uh, Sean Connery back, actually, believe it or not. Yeah. So got to figure out how they do that. (laughs) And um, yeah, because they did that one. The third one has um, Mario Van Peebles. And um, Mako, or Mako, depending on who you talk to, uh, as a sorcerer. <laughs> so, yeah, it gets it gets interesting. Um, but I would, if you get a chance, it's streaming on Amazon. Is the series watching the the first the pilot episode of the series has Christopher Lambert in it? Oh, cool. Um, so yeah. Well. Uh, Kit, you're not wrong. There was a novelization of the movie that did expand a lot on the story and with all the other bits and pieces that they've done because they did five feature-length films, six seasons of a series. There was an anime movie from 2007 with a different McLeod character. There was an animated series I never saw any of, The although the screen captures I've found from it look pretty bad. Um, and then uh, there was a comic book run as well did they do highlander 2 in four days with sean connery maybe no he's he's in highlander 2 a lot more i think than he was in this one so he's like okay you can uh so you can do it in seven days or whatever well and not only did he do this movie in seven days he made a million dollars for seven days of work like man that's it's a good gig if you can get it tell me about it um, so Bobby, I want to say thanks for being on. This was a ton of fun. This was great. Oh yeah, it was. Thank you, Travis, for asking me. So, uh, where can people find stuff you're working on right now? Uh, right now I have some stuff that's in development. I'm not actually, I don't have any active projects, so I'm on Twitter at, uh, is it, is it still at GM funky town? I think I changed it's at GM funky town. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm really bad at this. Um, <laughs> but uh, so it's at GM Funky Town. Um, I have some, if you're a fan of Shatter, the Shadowrun Tabletop RPG, if you go to um, if you go to YouTube, you may have heard of it, uh, and you search for Complex Action. I have a YouTube channel called Complex Action, which is devoted to doing a bunch of old 5th edition Shadowrun stuff, which, and I'm going to be doing some new 6th edition stuff. So it's very, sort of esoteric. But um, that's kind of the, one of the bigger things that I've done in the past. Um, but I have I have projects coming later this year, which, like I said, if you're following me uh, at GM Funky Town on Twitter, you'll you'll know about it. I'm going to be doing a science podcast later this year with. with yeah, excellent. Yeah, um, and you were doing some tabletop gaming for a little while. Is that kind of slowed down? Or so the Shadowcasters Network is uh is the business, the small business streaming okay. that I run, and that's on Twitch. So you can you can definitely follow Shadowcasters Network on Twitch, um, but yes, we the you know there's this this thing happened, <laughs> the world happened 
in the world called there was a pandemic that happened um yeah. we're still going through it um you might have heard of it um but uh, uh it's kind of put a, a damper on a lot of things that we're doing so we're in sort of a, a restructuring phase but we're definitely going to be doing more stuff but there's a lot of stuff on our shadowcasters network youtube channel and on the twitch pods and everything uh with uh tabletop rpgs that um that we've done and yeah, uh, tabletop I, board games i watched you guys we've... stream a tabletop rpg based on the tv show leverage which was yes. one of those where it's like okay they've literally made everything into a tabletop rpg at this point yes but... they have at this point yeah <laughs> the leverage the leverage rpg and uh and one that i had a lot of fun with which is more recent and new on our youtube channel um is uh it's kids on bikes that one was cool too i watched that that was that was the, really neat probably some of the most fun i've ever had playing a, a tabletop rpg just imagine if um just imagine if uh, stranger things were a tabletop rpg that's what kids on bikes is nice and uh, super fun yeah so cool uh, i'm looking forward to your science podcast too your um that that's a cool idea so gonna be science news if you love science and you should then you uh you should check that out follow me on at gm funky town the, the podcast is going to be called all around science i already have a name oh excellent that's the hardest part honestly is coming yeah, up with a name it, it was that's when, uh, when you're no good at naming things you get named stuff like wait you haven't seen with a question mark in it and it, it does the job travis <laughs> yourself about the the title of the podcast here but um but it does the job you know what it is that's true wait you haven't seen like, yeah that's what it... that that is true uh and we do uh so i do this show every week um sunday nights 8 p.m i stream it on twitch and then it comes out as a podcast a couple days later so uh you know i we have a, a chat room um and it's great to have people in there or watching us live uh every week this is the 60th episode um which I never 60. thought I never thought I'd get to sixty. Um, I I haven't really missed. I missed one week since I started doing it. When that That's was my impressive. own fault. Um, I actually had the live stream that week, but the uh, the audio version of it I had to cancel um, because of my own mistake. But yeah, sixty episodes. Um, I'm also doing some uh, classic adventure game streams now, a couple days a week. Um, old point and click adventures. I just finished playing oh. uh, Siberia. Um, and actually finished it for the first time, which was a ton of fun. It's a that's a weird game, but it just is such a beautiful game to play. So trying to decide what to start on Tuesday, but that's that's what I do. Um, you can find this show on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. If you do um, listen to it through those, if you can leave us a, a review, us me a review, um, that would be great. Us because I have guests. You can leave me a review too. There you go. <laughs> And uh, the easiest way to find the show is tvstravis.com. Um, you can do the subscribe right there in whatever podcast player you want. And that's where the, the shows go up every uh, Wednesday is when they uh, they go live in that feed. Um, yeah, so uh, next week I've got another ANTP alum. Um, Melissa's going to come on. We're going to watch Scream. She's never seen that before. It's going to be so fun. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Because I oh, think I, I think she said that she's not a big horror movie fan, so I can imagine. I I know Melissa pretty well, yeah. um, and uh, I can imagine she's not. But she so picked the movie, so I I yeah. she she came up with that one, so that's gonna be fun. So that's gonna be next Sunday, um, is Scream, and uh, yeah, I've got a couple more coming up. Um, I'm gonna be watching Heat 
soon with somebody and uh yeah so <clears throat> pardon me <clears throat> um that's the show for this week come back next week with uh melissa and scream and until then i always like to say to to get out and enjoy your movies and um everybody be excellent to each other yes have the manners of a goat and you smell like a dung heap. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>